What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 195. I am your host, Armand Lee. Uh, coming back from a week off, but it wasn't a planned week, so my apologies to find that new episode. Man, things just started popping off from work, and I couldn't come through with the show that at least I was proud of. But it's all good. We coming back, and man, what a week to come back. So th- just consider it, I took, a, I took a vacation week off, and I'm back at it. Uh, and man, the world of sports has clearly lost its damn mind in the uh, 14 or so days that I have been away. And we have so much to discuss. Last week, I did have a, a, a take, if you will, on the Chauncey Billups hire and all of the things that came along with it. So we will run that uh, segment back this week for the third quarter. So the third quarter is going to be a bit dated, but I felt like it was really, really strong. And I hopefully we can have a, 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 a mature and adult discussion about so much that is happening in the world of sports. But that ain't it. That ain't it. There have been so many other controversial stance and positions that have come just last week. We're going to touch on that. All of that, plus a, an NBA Finals preview in the fourth quarter. So, so much to look forward to, but we're going to start in Bristol with the worldwide leader. It's our first topic this week. First quarter. This past weekend, you know, much like most Americans, you know, I had an extra day off. And Saturday, spent some time with my daughter. We chilling, we playing games, playing Mario Kart, go to sleep. Just a regular Saturday night into Sunday morning. And then Sunday morning, I wake up a little bit earlier than typical. And my brother-in-law sends me a text saying, Armand, did you read this article from the Times to this morning? I mean, you know, as you get older, I don't know if this is just me. I don't know if it's parenthood. I would love to hear your guys' take on this. But as I get older, I can't sleep in. Like, there's, a, there's basically like an 8.30, 9 o'clock, like, that's the latest I can sleep. There's no way I can sleep past 9 o'clock in the morning. And typically, I get up around 8 a.m., 7.45. But this Sunday, around 7 or so, brother-in-law hits me up and says, man, you have to check this article out. And I read this piece on dissension and ESPN between the NBA product, one of the most valuable assets at Bristol, and the main subjects are Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. And at this point, I'm sure most of you all, if not all of you all, have read this. It is a phenomenal read. There's a lot to get to. I don't even know if I'll be able to get to all of them during this quarter, but I'm going to try. But the major takeaway for me is something that we've kind of touched on on this show for a year or more, really. But last year, it felt like it was different, right? We were all locked inside. There was the tragic deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And it felt different. And I remember vividly last year being like, asking on this very show, why is this time different? What's, like, why the change? Why is this time the one that kind of have has broken through? And over the course of the rest of the year, 
it was fairly clear that it, it was only because people were bored. People wanted likes, people wanted engagement, retweets. And that all of this advocacy that we were seeing from quote unquote allies was just all performative. And it's so funny that literally in the midst of last year and all of this Black Lives Matter, you know, I've talked about this on the show as it pertains to the digital side of all of these leagues, right? Particularly the NBA and the NFL. And all of these social media sites and all of these uh, entities who have these you know, the, the, who, who run these social media sites and the Twitter pages and Instagram, and, and they'll, they'll take from certain aspects of black culture, but they won't employ. So, yeah, I think the vast, I hope, well, no, I don't, but it should be quite obvious, right, that shooting unarmed black people is awful. But that can't be the bar. Shooting unarmed anyone should be considered off that black people have to fight and scream and bleed and die and cry for generations just to get the smallest bit of sympathy speaks to how large this issue is. But just because you are a decent enough person to say, hey, man, you shouldn't be killing people who who aren't posing a threat does not then mean that we have even scratched the surface of all of the systemic issues that are facing people of color. And make no mistake, there are issues facing minorities across the board. We can talk about the LGTQ plus community. We just finished Pride Month. Just because you have a pride sticker does not mean that you are an advocate. We can talk about the the page gap the pay gap excuse me between men and women but just because you have a shirt that says equal pay does not then make you an advocate or an ally just because you tweet out hashtag stop asian hate does not then mean that you have any work done or that you understand the plight against the Asian American or Asian community. Just because you say free, free Palestine, does that mean that you are not, you can't be, you understand what I'm saying? We have reduced real life issues into 140 characters or less. So let's, 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 let's jump to the elephant in the room because this particular instance, this specific case between uh, or it, that's happening in ESPN with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor as the faces of this issue, we've got we to gotta start somewhere. Let, why not start with Rachel Nichols? Rachel Nichols, I don't know her. I've never met her. I know several people, close friends, who have met her and know her to some degree. And this is the issue, right? It's We're going to touch on this again later in the third quarter. But it's always easy when you see Floyd Mayweather. When, when you come at Floyd Mayweather for his shit, it's easy. Because he's a vile person. He, he's not likable. 
It's easy to come after Ben Roethlisberger. It's easy to come after Greg Hardy. These people don't. It's easy to come after. I mean, for some of y'all, it's not easy to come after Bill Cosby. For some of y'all, many of y'all, most of y'all, I'm watching basketball Friday night. It was very difficult for y'all to come after Marv Albert. We ain't going. We you know we're not going to continue this. But it's easy to to wag your finger and shame the people who don't have who don't have likable traits. You can score all the points in the world when it's someone who everybody hates. How do you handle these situations when it comes to someone who you like? Because how you answer that speaks to, is it the subject that you have the issue with or is it the principle? Because if the principle is what truly bothers you, it should not matter who the subjects are. Of course, we're humans. Of course, we're humans. And my best friend gets caught out there saying some shit that's hateful or doing something that's awful and vile. It's going to be a little difficult for me. Not so difficult. It's going to be harder for me to speak out against them. But I hope I have the character enough to still say publicly that was wrong. But more important, privately, holding that person who I would, in this hypothetical, care about to make sure that they are better and they understand how they were wrong. Don't talk to me about being an advocate for black people. And then in your private conversations, you're saying, well, you know, and I'm paraphrasing now, but we've all heard the quote. They're giving her they're they're giving they want to give her more to do because of their awful history. And look, give her whatever she wants, just don't take it away from me. The arrogance of that comment. The arrogance. But the, the problem is we all have heard variations of that before. And when I say we, I'm talking about black people. And white folks, y'all here too. I'm assuming that sometimes you guys are wrapped into these quote unquote private. And you know what? Before I continue on that point, let's talk about private conversations. Because so many people are caught up on why would someone record a private conversation? Why are we so mad at Rachel Nichols? Why are we mad at the person who recorded this private conversation? Slim. It's not private. <laughs> Rachel Nichols sent out, mistakenly or not, mistakenly or not, she sent out that audio to a news outlet. ESPN, and I know, new, I say news lightly, but ESPN is one of the largest networks in the world if you go to their campus at bristol it is truly awe-inspiring the, the the gravity just how big and large it is and though we use news loosely when we talk about the espn product they do have credible several credible reporters so if you voluntarily mistakenly or not but it was not like Rachel Nichols was bugged. 
No one was, no one had like a camera in her room or mic'd her up or had a secret recording note. That conversation only saw the light of day because Rachel Nichols sent it to Bristol. If you've ever worked or been in a feed room, you understand there's no privacy. It's not private. If you send it to me, God only knows how many people were actually in the feed room at the time. Lord only knows if there was if it was recorded onto a server. And if it was recorded onto a server, how many other people then saw it, heard it? It's not a private conversation. You may think it's private, but people speak into hot mics all the time. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like a TV person. A hot mic, a mic that's actually on. You can turn your microphone on or off. Imagine I'm speaking to you and saying something that's what I imagine to be private, but my microphone is on. So the mic picks up what I say, it picks up what you say, it picks up what someone near us say says. You can think that's a private conversation, but it's then being sent out across the world. And if someone then records it, they're not wrong. That's user error. You took that L. You got to eat it. Y'all Bama's got to stop a dead spin. Fake ass dead spin. The, the new and improved, the, the, the new and worse dead spin. And this, <laughs> I love this because it exposes everyone's true colors. Dog, I always tell people, bro, be the Bama, be, be the racist Klansman, right, who wears the robe and who has the Confederate flag on his truck and, 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 and call me a nigger to my face. So at least I know what time it is. So at least every time I come across you and yours, I know where I stand. You know where I stand as well. Boom. But this kind of fake advocacy, this fake allyship, what you doing it for? Julie DiCario, I believe, for some of the people who I've respected. She's the new uh, editor-in-chief at Deadspin. They were given this audio a year ago when it happened. They turned it down, and then they tried to make Rachel Nichols the victim because of what? It's easy to talk a good game, man, but where do you stand? All these Bamas, all these leagues, all of these uh, news outlets, all of these teams who who posted black, uh, you know, blacks late last summer, and almost solidarity for the black plight, if you will. They just they just I, they took a shot of a black screen, and that was supposedly you know their their show of solidarity. And then you go to you know, the workplace, and there's one black person. There's one Latino, maybe one Asian. There's no diversity, but they take black slang and black culture, and they'll tweet some shit, and they use the memes, they take the dances. And I'm just thinking, like, bro, it's easy to say black lives matter. It's so easy. It's so easy to tweet out hashtag Pride Month and the little you know rainbow emoji comes up. It's easy to that's that's light. It's easy to say hashtag stop Asian hate, free Palestine. Don't that's that stop celebrating that. That don't take nothing. 
What are you doing in private? And thank, it's unfortunate, but thank goodness that this has happened because I am so interested in seeing how ESPN and Disney and all of these talking heads handle this. And I get it. A lot of the people who typically speak out about this stuff can't because a lot of the people who typically speak out about this stuff work for ESPN. And I assure you, I assure you that as soon as that story hit or as soon as ESPN got whiffed that this story was coming out, there was a detailed email sent out to every single employee at the Worldwide Leader, not just in Bristol, but in New York, in D.C., and Florida, in North Carolina, and California, and, 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 and Texas, so forth and so on. They all received that saying, y'all better not say shit. Don't tweet shit. Don't retweet shit. Don't say a word. Guarantee. So now everybody's just kind of looking around waiting. And that this happens right before the NBA finals. As Maria Taylor is dealing with contract uh, negotiations. Bro, this right here, straight out of a scripted soap opera, I am waiting on pins and needles for Tuesday night. I don't know if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, but damn it, must see TV couldn't be more riddled. Is Maria even talk? Is she even hosting? Because you know ESPN's pissed. Look. You don't have to work at TV to understand how this goes. ESPN was nasty because last week they leaked out some of Maria Taylor's uh, contract negotiations. She said she wanted money. And that became a big thing on the bad faith actors right wing sports media landscape going straight after Maria Taylor because she wanted money. Hey, first off, if you're not asking for what you want, then I, I look at you crazy. Ask for what you want. And don't let anybody else tell you about what your worth is. You know your worth. Ask for it. Closed mouths don't get fed. If she's not going to ask for $8 million during contract negotiations, she'll never get it. ESPN ain't just going to be like, hey, you know what? We want to offer you $5 million, but you are doing so well, we're going to give you $8 million just because. It's not how business works. She turned down a $5 million offer. She feels she's worth more. We'll find out. But I have no issue. And, and, and look at the power play she did. Because ESPN leaked that shit out. Thinking that they were going to make her out to be the villain. The greedy diva. And what her and her team do. Because make no mistake. They leaked this out to, to the New York Times. For sure. Just like somebody at ESPN leaked that out. That she wanted $8 million. So she was like, that's how y'all want to play? Watch this. Let the chopper sing. Shout out to her and her team. Because not only does Maria Taylor make Rachel Nichols look bad, the woman who wants that spot, she can't get it. She makes the entire organization look bad. You want to know why? Because it then is released in the same article that the only known person who was punished for this was a black social media producer who, owned, who went to HR and said, I gave this video to Maria. Not that I sent it to anyone else. I sent it to Maria. She's talking about Maria. She went to HR and told them that. 
she was fined two weeks without pay and then given lesser, less desirable roles. And now it's no longer working at ESPN. I want to see how they navigate through this shit. And look, I get the majority of people probably will forget about this once the game starts. But if you are actively trying to work and actively trying to appeal to a certain target population of black people, we ain't going to forget. Black women definitely not going to forget. ESPN So White was a hashtag just months ago. ESPN fired, or not, I'm sorry, no, they didn't. They, ESPN, I believe, let go of Michael Smith. Jamel Hill, Kerry Champion both left ESPN. ESPN let, and, and Dan Levitard decide to part ways in a buyout. You can't just keep on letting talented people of color go and think, hey, everybody will be okay. There's going to be a certain amount of pressure being placed on these athletes, these black athletes, because if they keep on running to Rachel Nichols, that's going to look away. That article specifically said, hey, man, she, Rachel Nichols' actions in trying to capitulate toward her have cost Cassidy Hubbard, Makila Andrews, Lisa Saunders opportunities. Three women of color. And all of these women, mostly white women, who have spent so many months, spent so many years, and not all of them, I want to make this perfectly clear, some people straight up for the fight. And some people have acknowledged, both publicly and privately, their privilege. So kudos to them. Because... You know, I can't take this stance about the performative nature of some of these actions and then continue to turn a blind eye on the people who for real. But when I saw the death spin stuff and Julie, D, and again, I, I, I don't want to make this about her. This is not about her, though. That's nasty that they talk about women and women empowerment all the time. And they completely said, fuck you to Maria Taylor. I believe it's Kayla, Kyla Johnson. I don't know the woman. I'm sorry for mispronouncing her name because I know a lot of you do. They don't say shit about that. Some of, some people have even tried to flip it and blame, you know, this on the guy who represents LeBron. And LeBron, we're going to get to you in a second, brother, because we're watching what you're doing too. You read the article, you hear the, you, you hear the audio, and then some people have said, oh, no, this isn't Rachel Nichols' fault. The person who sounds the worst here is, and I forget the, man, the man's name, but y'all know who I'm talking about. The guy who, who, who says that, you know, man, between Black Lives Matter and Me Too, I'm exhausted. Like, what, what, what's next? And then Rachel Nichols belts out this crazy cackle. That whole thing was nasty. And broad, slim. Buddy needs to be relieved of his duties yesterday. And they coming for you. Ooh, Space Jam is about to release in like two weeks. 
They coming for you. Rachel Nichols is in Space Jam. They coming for you. You know they're going to ask. You better you better just say, hey, buddy, this is a bad look. We can't have this. I can't have this as if like, at the same time when I'm trying to be, you know, do all of this positive work while I'm trying to lead and talk about, you know, inclusivity, equality. And you have somebody saying, hey, man, me too and Black Lives Matter is... It's getting exhausting? Bruh. It's shining a light on so much of this stuff. And man, what you have to understand, and I have said this time and time again, social media is fake as fuck. You can't believe this shit. People know what generates likes. But y'all mamas, everybody don't think like this. Everybody doesn't feel this way because if they did, there would be more progress. We wouldn't still have these same issues at Bristol. You know what time it is there. And what I am, the thing that hurts the most, right, is that the, the bad faith actors, the, the, the right wing of sports media, and y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about in terms of politics. Because I have these Bamas who, who have profited on, on doing this nasty work. They... I don't think they, they lean one way or the other. And that's the that's the danger of trying to always tie certain behavior to a political ideology, right? This is more than politics. It's the reason why Boston, one of the most liberal and progressive cities in the world, is racist as fuck. They're, every city is racist, okay? We try to make it a Southern thing because Southern politics lean right. But no, it's not a Southern thing. No matter where you go, where there are black people, you will find white racists. That is part of this country. Yes, I'm saying this a few days after the 4th of July. Don't care. It's real. And if you can't see it, you need to wake the fuck up. Wash your face and take a look around. But these people who have benefited and profited on this, no, sports league shouldn't, shouldn't care about social justice and social justice warrior and the woke mob and ESPN, ESNBC and all this other stupid stuff that they do. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I ain't going to give you their names. Y'all know who I'm talking about. The sad thing about all of this is that the, their point, despite the fact that they're trash and they're the worst of the worst, their point at at when you strip all of the nastiness and the racism and the coded language, at its core, what they're saying is, y'all can't say shit because y'all do the same thing. And the fear is that everybody is so worried about, hey, man, you know, uh, you can't say anything, cancel culture, social just warriors, you're just going to eat on each other. No, that's not the case. But if you don't have integrity, that's what it's going to look like. ESPN went out of their way to make sure everybody knew where they stood. They have these documentaries on black people. They have the undefeated. They do all of this stuff, performative, window dressing. But at its core, they too are a problem. So then it's easier for them to say, like, hold on. Y'all tell us all this stuff about Black Lives Matter and this, that, and the third. But y'all have this happening in your own home. It almost invalidates everything that they have tried to push. And make no mistake, there are people within that company who are fighting 
trying to push the company forward, but then this happens. So it almost invalidates everything. It's almost as if I were an advocate, right? Or I told people and I went out of my way and I put in work to some degree to advocate for women's rights rights, and the fight against domestic violence and sexual assault. And then I'm saying, hey, Bill Cosby is free. He's innocent. Celebrating. Yeah. Tweeting out all this other stuff about Marv Albert. Yeah. Bill Cosby. Free Bill Cosby. Yeah. It makes everything that I said before then look crazy. And then people can then take it to me. People who had a who felt a way about or were uncomfortable about me fighting for a specific cause, they then look at what I, everything that I said and they say, see, well, what about that? And that's where ESPN is now. And I'm and I'm I'm almost certain that somewhere in that company they're like they're trying to do Christ management and someone is saying maybe we should just stop this. Maybe we should just stop trying to fight for social causes. Maybe we should just be a sports network and quote unquote stick to sports. And that's unfortunate, but that's a real conversation that I'm sure is being had right now. Because instead of actually trying to listen to what you're pushing for and actually make the changes within your halls, you retreat. Instead of trying to hold Rachel Nichols responsible for what she said, you suspend a black woman for two weeks without pay because she held down, because she held down a coworker, a colleague. What was she suspended for? Again, it'd be different if they bugged Rachel Nichols. They had, they did something. They tried to hack her stuff. That's one thing. Rachel Nichols sent out this audio. You understand? Shout out to Scottie Pippen. Do you understand English? <laughs> Remember when the like what? What are we doing? And yes, this is a, a part of a problem that I cannot ever fully understand. Women feeling as if they can have to fight one another for a, a limited amount of spots. I do understand in theory. Again, I'm not going to try to pretend like I know what that is like because I don't. Clearly, I am a man. And I understand in, in the workforce overall but specifically when it comes to sports i can only i can only imagine how difficult that fight is for women trying to move forward and move up in the world specifically black women and i want to make sure i say that i can only imagine how difficult it is for women in the sports world trying to move up in their careers specifically black women and that is an issue that is 100% an issue but that does not then excuse Rachel Nichols behavior she felt that that was hers she was entitled and if anyone took it from her it had to be a diversity hire Imagine if Stephen A. Smith said something about Rachel, said the exact same thing about Rachel Nichols, the exact same thing. 
Imagine if Stephen A. Smith said the exact same thing about Rachel Nichols that Rachel Nichols said about Maria Taylor with the one switch being that, oh, well, Rachel Nichols has the job because she's a woman. I guarantee you Julie DiCario and all these other people with this, they would have ate his ass up. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have rejected audio for that. And we understand women in sports, women in the workplace, they have an uphill fight. And if you want to be an advocate for that, you have to be an advocate, even if, even if leveling the playing field comes at your expense. But here's the thing. It ain't like Rachel Nichols, and I, I, I promise you, this is not me trying to knock her or her her ability. She's a, an extremely talented writer, an extremely talented. She clearly loves basketball, which is a huge part of that job. And it's also odd, right? Because before Rachel Nichols had this whole thing, Say Steele had it. So it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like Maria Taylor, it wasn't like a black woman wasn't. You know, it was, it's been Michelle Beadle, Say Steel, or Say Steel, excuse me, Michelle Beadle, Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor. So this idea that this is something I'll owe to Rachel Nichols is insane. And the moment she felt threat, threatened, excuse me, she lashes out like this. All of that advocacy talk, all of that, hey man, you know, we need to do this. All of the Black Panther premiere parties, all of that shit. Goes out the window. She laughs when Buddy says, I'm exhausted of the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movement. What's funny about that? It don't take nothing to be hold on now, chill out. That's all you can say? You don't have to laugh? At some point, we're going to have to wake up and realize these bombers are fake as fuck. And it's not just her. It's not just ESPN. You're going to have to assume it's everybody until they show you otherwise. And they show you not via a tweet, not via a T-shirt, not via an Instagram caption, not via a, 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 a bumper sticker, right? But by actions. And I hold myself that accountable too. You can hear me talk about this on my podcast. I'm not in danger of losing sponsorship. I don't have any sponsors. You know, this doesn't... Me saying, speaking into a microphone, these these ideals, if you will, that don't mean shit. If you hear some shit, though, that, that I was fake, call me on it. Hang me out. Because if we want to ever move forward, truly move forward, that's what it's going to have to take. Because no one gets canceled. Rachel Nichols ain't going to get canceled. Guess what? She's still going to host the jump. And if she don't, she's going to sue. And, and then if she does, guess what? She'll be at some network relatively soon. NBA TV or higher something. And no one's getting canceled for this. Maria Taylor's going to be fine. But she's had to endure clear toxic work environment. By a network who loves to push his chest out and tell you how and flex about how progressive they are, knowing damn well that just because they're the best in this related in this field, relatively speaking, that as a whole, still some shit. And if you don't believe me, ask anyone who's ever worked at ESPN who happens to be black. I promise you, it ain't all roses like they like to make it out to be. 
But I want to hear what you guys have to say, man. Again, I can't wait to see how they handle this. I I can't wait. But I want to hear what you guys think because unfortunately, there have been a lot of people who are taking these odd positions. And I shouldn't say unfortunate because I don't expect much from y'all. I don't expect much from the sports society culture anymore. You know what I'm saying? Bama's Bama's a fake. But I do want to hear from my listeners or you guys, man, because again, I want this to be like a community. So email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right. So, you know, the hypocrisy coming from ESPN about this issue was quite alarming, but that even pales in comparison to the hypocrisy from the people about Shakari Richardson. Y'all know we're going to talk about it, so get down, get settled. We got a whole lot to get to here in our second topic this week. Second quarter. You know, I love breaking down, you know, the hypocrisy in sports media and the, in the media landscape overall. And nothing better highlights that than every four this year, every five years, when the Olympic Games come running back to town, pardon the pun. And now we are seeing that again firsthand. And unfortunately, it has come with Shakari Richardson as the vehicle to put it on Front Street. Again, let me make this perfectly clear. I empathize as someone who has lost my mother very early on in my life or as a as a young adult. That is a pain that I do not wish upon anyone. And the fact that she had to find out in the means in which she did was, you know, truly as heartbreaking. You know, that's really, really heartbreaking that she found out how she found out. And I credit her for not doing a yeah, but not trying to provide a caveat when there wasn't one. She stood up as a young as a young woman. I want to say she's in 21, 22, about to make the biggest, have the biggest professional moment in her life at the same time dealing with, and I'm assuming here, but one of the biggest personal tragedies of her life at the same time, right? At the very same time, she goes in front of the camera, in front of the world and says, yes, I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I did it, and I accept responsibility. Boom. That should have been the end of that discussion. But the nasty thing that happens with Shakari Richardson and with other athletes, as we will kind of go through momentarily, is that that doesn't fit in what we do now as a 24-hour constant constant craving like, to satiate the monster that is 24-7. I need content. I need news. I pick up my phone in the middle of the night. I pick up my iPad and I'm victim of that as well. This is not me preaching. This is me speaking right now. Right? Craving content. Craving more, 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 more. We can't let that be the end. So then what happens? 
We then use Shakari's personal, very tragic, very um, relatable in many ways, right? Her pain, her obstacle, her admission. And we flip that into a story on marijuana, cannabis. And okay, if we want to have the discussion on cannabis and the legalization of cannabis and how there is a stigma attached to weed, cool. But this is where, again, as someone who is a broadcaster, who is someone who has benefited from being with journalists and reporters over and over and over again, and as someone who likes to think and believes, right, that I have a significant level of journalistic integrity. I like to think that about myself. Maybe some people in my past would disagree, but I like to think I have this about myself. When doing that, when it comes to Shakari's story, when doing the stigma attached to marijuana and why is the ILC so archaic with their views on marijuana, cannabis, weed, whatever you want to call it, we should at some point also let the viewers and the watchers and the, the intakers of said content know that this is not just the Shakari Richardson story. In fact, two other Olympic prospects or hopefuls, however you want to view it. They also currently are suspended because they have violated the IOC's rules on cannabis. Now, obviously, Shakari is the most high profile of the three who have been suspended. But if we want to have the conversation about cannabis, don't we need to make sure we we report on all of the information at hand? You go to the website, it's it's there. They can't speak because that's against their rules. So I was going to I was I'm a senior producer on my my television show. And this obviously was making big news the end of the last week. And we're talking with our booker and she was like, "Hey, I know the this person person, I'm not going to name any names, but he can't speak." Because that's against their rules. But if you go to their website, you can see for yourself, it's not just Shakari who's suspended. So all of these commentaries and all of these monologues and all of these reports and hot takes and, 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 and tweets and that articles where people are using this woman at what I would imagine to be one of the lowest points of her life as a vehicle to have a discussion on cannabis. And again, I don't mind that, but we also need to make sure we are using every piece of information that's available. That's what news is. You can't just pick and choose a side. You can't just cherry pick what information you want to disclose and what you don't. That's so nasty. <laughs> you feel me? We live in a time now where hosts of sports shows hosts and not the not the not columnist right not talk show hosts not opinion based people no i'm talking about hosts of sports news shows are outwardly rooting for teams in the postseason and i'm just thinking to myself professional teams 
Mind you, it's one thing to do for your college, your alumni. Cool, we get that. Professional teams? I can't tell you the number of times, and this is how I know I'm getting old. This is how I know that I'm probably on the verge. And I don't like, I, you know, I'm, I'm 38. So Lord help me. I hope this ain't a midlife crisis. Hopefully I have another 15 years before I have a midlife crisis. But like this is, you know, when I'm I'm looking around and I'm saying, hold on, what, what what's happening? We're having this 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 important discussion, I would say, about cannabis and the stigma attached. And I, I agree. I'm with y'all all the way when it comes to that. And this is coming from someone who doesn't smoke. I think it's important to try to break down and chip away at the stigma attached because let's be fair. There is a negative one as it pertains to race in this country, as is the case with damn near everything in this country, if we're being honest. But when you look at how regularly marijuana is used consistently upon all races, but how we view it in the context of black people, specifically in this case, Carrie Richardson. Well, yeah, we need we should talk. We should talk about it. But when there are two other Olympic hopefuls who have also been suspended when it comes to using cannabis and they are white, but then yeah, that kind of makes the argument. I don't think it invalidates the argument, but it does in this specific example kind of muddies the water. But that should not be reason enough to ignore it from news outlets. You feel me? Journalism is done from a larger scale. I don't want you to think when I say that, that that means that there aren't real, legit, thorough journalists with the utmost integrity. No, they are still out there. But it's just not at the ready. And it's wild. It's wild to see. And I've talked about different examples of this over the course of just this year. But the marijuana, the cannabis aspect of this specific example is nuts. If you are going to use this woman as a vehicle for you to get your thoughts off about cannabis. And again, go for it. It's a needed conversation. Man, don't skip the don't skip the facts. Don't cherry pick the 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 data. And that's only one of the nasty ways this conversation has been used over the last few days. Here's another one. You know, it's weird how sports members of the media, when it comes to sports, pick and choose, again, cherry pick when they don't care for an athlete's mental health. It's just so funny how we pick and choose when we care for a, a, an athlete's mental health. Shakira Richardson came out and said, hey, man, I did something I knew I wasn't supposed to do. I got caught. I'm willing to deal with said consequences. She's cool with it. And now all of a sudden, everybody else is saying, hey, she should be running. All of these sports hosts and, and columnists and analysts say, hey, she should be running. This woman went in front of the world and said her anxiety, she needed something to calm her anxiety, right? 
that she was feeling depressed, that her mental health is not in the best space. So whether it's by whether it's happenstance, whether this was their their intent, which I significantly doubt. But the IOC, whomever, not the IOC, uh, America, I, I forget the I forget the the name. But they they come out and they say, hey, you're suspended for 30 days. Has anyone ever thought that, you know what? Maybe she needs some time away. Maybe she should just take, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it sucks that as an Olympic athlete that this takes her, this prevents her from running in, I believe, the 100 meter. And that's a blur because that's one of the glamour events for the Summer Olympics. For sure, we get that. But maybe if we don't allow ourselves to only view her as an athlete, if we look at her as a human with what she has had to go through over the last two and a half weeks, maybe, just maybe, chilling out for 30 days is best for her? I don't know. I don't know her. I've never spoken to I've never spoke with her. I've never spoke to anybody close to her. But this this outrage about the suspension when she admits to what she did was wrong. She she handled out of everyone involved. She handled it better. Like 100 percent. It couldn't have been better from her. And everybody who, who wants to be advocates for her, I'm looking at it, I'm like, bro, what's what's happening? Never mind the fact that just six, seven months ago, many of the same people who want to voice concern about Shakari's mental health. Many of the same people who want to voice concern about Shakari's well-being were making jokes about Kyrie. <laughs> when Kyrie says essentially the same thing, hey man, I am more than an athlete. I'm a person. And sometimes I don't want to talk. And I'm going to take some time away and I'm not going to speak to the media. Maybe I'm not going to play a few games. This is a bot. This hurts my mental health. Kyrie said that in like December. And Bama's got on his ass something serious. I can, it's laughable. Then you fast forward to just like a month or so ago with Naomi Osaka. She's saying, hey, I need time away. My mental health is down. I feel anxious speaking in front of people, so I'm not going to talk to media. Kyrie says it, it's meth with laughter. Naomi says it, and then it's like, oh my goodness. How dare the media, how dare the WTA? Take your time. And then now Shakari does it, and it's like, maybe. And again, just because Kyrie needs time and Naomi needs time doesn't, doesn't then mean that Shakari needs time. Maybe she does. Maybe. The idea that, Lord, help us all. There's a 30-day suspension. This is a travesty. Because, again, we are only viewing these people as athletes. And I think it also speaks to the ugly American uh, idea of it all. I don't think it's a coincidence that we gave... Kyrie Irving, hell in December. In a sport that in this country, not to say that no one loves tennis, no one loves track and field in America, because obviously millions do. But in this country, it is not to the degree that we love the NBA. I think that's fair. 
So the ugly American idea comes up because, hey, if we don't necessarily care about your sport in tennis, right, there are a few stars who have usurped the actual sport as it pertains to the average American fan. Serena, Federer, Nadal, possibly Joker, and Naomi is 100% in that group. We care more about them, again, going back to the first quarter, right? We care more about the subject than the principle. We care more about Naomi Osaka than we do about tennis. So it's easy for us to be like, hey, Naomi, don't talk to the media. Naomi, don't play. We don't, we're not going to watch these tournaments that aren't uh, Grand Slam championships. We've had people, deadass, we had an anchor on SportsCenter says, saying that the French Open needed Naomi Osaka more than Naomi Osaka needed the French Open, as if the French Open hasn't been around well before Naomi Osaka was born and will be around well after she finishes playing tennis. Like the, that's, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And the same thing here with Shakari, right? If we're being honest, the majority, the overwhelming majority of American sports fans care about track and field once every four years. Let's be far. Let's be for real. So again, it's easy to be like, "Hey, rules are rules. Who cares about the like?" It's easy to do that. But the people who do that, oftentimes, and the people who do that and who made fun of Kyrie, I'm assuming, care about the NBA more than they care about Kyrie Irving. And that's why we get the discrepancy. When it comes to a sport that we all love, the NBA, football, NFL, hey guys, y'all remember how we treated Ricky Williams? And that's long ago. That's long ago. So you know what? We, we, we deserve to give people time to grow and evolve. So the Ricky Williams analogy is probably not fair. But Marshawn Lynch, dog, he was a running joke. We, we made fun of him. For not wanting to speak. Super Bowl weekend, him just standing off to the side. We made fun of I'm here. How many times have we, I'm here so I'm, I won't get fined. When it comes to sports that we care about, the NFL, as Americans, um, uh, the NFL, the NBA, we don't give a fuck about mental health then. We make fun of them. We made fun of Kyrie Irving just months before we are ready to send out so much empathy to sports and to athletes whose sports we don't care about. Maybe I'm off on that, but someone else, I, I implore you, please tell me how we could go from laughing and making fun of, and in some instances, going after Kyrie Irving to then sending out so much empathy just months later to Naomi Osaka and to Sha'Carri Richardson. The only thing that I could come up with is that we actually care about the NBA and we really don't care much about tennis or track and field with, with, some, with one or two exceptions. That's nasty. So on one hand, we want to make it about cannabis. The United States Olympic Committee being outdated. These are the same people who in 2000, 2000, I believe was the year that they finally was like, they took caffeine off the ban list. Caffeine. 
They literally increased. They increased the amount of cannabis found in the system. Just recently. So if we want to have the discussion about cannabis. If we want to have the discussion about these archaic and these outdated and the stigma attached to marijuana, cool. But if you do that, you can't then leave off the two people who also were suspended. You feel me? And if it's about mental health, then it can't just be about mental health when we care about the athletes more than we care about the sport. It's, you understand what I'm saying? As a producer, as someone who used to cover and produce sports content, I understand that this probably hits me a little bit differently than it hits the most, the majority, excuse me, of sports fans. But I can't then just leave it up there because I think if 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 explained and then talked about, at least I hope that people would then get a certain understanding. Like, oh, okay, that I feel them there. That don't make much sense. That's kind of gross. I hope that's what's happening. Only because I hope that we can stop it. The moment, and we've seen it kind of happen, it's been a slow drip, but that drip is picking up in speed. The moment people stop trusting the media and stop trusting what they say, because for whatever reason, is the moment democracy starts to fall. If no one can trust you because you are on, because the members of the media themselves are making them the story. They want to get the hot takes. They want to go viral. They want to get the tweets. They want to get the likes. As opposed to just having many of the vast majority of these people have gone to school and they understand journalism. You can't then forfeit all of that information, all of that knowledge, all of your training for retweets and engagement. I'm the old man screaming at the sun, though, bro. I just hope at some point while I'm screaming at the sun, others stop and listen. I want to hear your thoughts, though, whether you want to talk about Shakari whether you want to talk about the Olympics or whether you want to talk about kind of what I touched on and the uh, just the kind of, I guess, erosion of journalism in this country when it comes to sport. Email me. I want to hear your thoughts at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or you can tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys. So I talked about this earlier. You know, it's halftime, but not really. Um, we're not going to do a halftime this week because, again, so much really to get into. So we're going to skip ahead and transition to the third quarter. And this third quarter is what was recorded last week before I had to pull the plug on last week's show. And it's touching on Chauncey Billups and that entire ordeal as it pertains to him getting the Portland Trailblazers job. Now, it's dated a bit because at the time of last week's recording, obviously, he didn't get the job. But I wanted, I felt it was strong, and I really wanted you all to hear it because, you know, again, if we only care about a subject or care about a topic when we don't have a personal connection, well, then, at least in my mind, that feels is a very surface level. 
Because if you know someone, or if you say you care about a topic, but then once you happen to be or have a connection with the subject and accused, and then you're able to shift without knowing the evidence in many cases, then really how deep was your concern about said topic, right? I think what we have done over the past few weeks is really expose ourselves to just how little we truly do care about sexual assault, about domestic violence, and about attacks on women. Everybody talks a big game, but very few actually have the goal, have the, you know, the internal, the, 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 the you know, the, the, the solidness to fight, even if it hits close to home. So I want you guys to take a listen to my breaking down of Chauncey Billups' hire in Portland and what it means, not just about the NBA, but a sports society as a whole. It's our third topic this week. Third You know, um, I like to have fun on this show. You know, sports, 97% of the time is overly serious and if you are like me and you watch television probably less than you did 10 years ago or you listen to sports talk radio or maybe other podcasts and you see like how serious so many people take it it can either a turn you completely off or like me just become so funny that all you can do is laugh at it and nine times out of ten that's what we try to do on this show, but I want this show also to be a, a place where we can have intelligent, real conversations about things that aren't just funny. And unfortunately, the NBA has stepped into real world issues in the last four or five days. And what I'm talking about is the hiring process and how so people, so many people are handling it whether it's reporting or handling it when it comes to discussion in their privacy of their homes or the, 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 the internet. And then not so private conversations that we all have on social media. And I'm talking about the hiring process of Jason Kidd, but mainly Chauncey Billups. Because this isn't funny. In the sports world, you know, Honest, I like to have a transparent conversation with you guys. You know, years ago I was let go uh, because of downsizing at my job working in sports, and I and I truly do love working in sports. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I continue to pour into this podcast because I just love talking about sports, and I just feel like there's not really an avenue where sports discussion really happens the way I want it to, right, or the way I would have it. All that to be said, like. Once I made the transition to news, it was so funny how, like, number one, people who are so, like myself, so much and so close in the sports, you 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 are fooled into thinking that everybody loves sports or that everybody pays attention to sports. Newsflash, they don't. That, that was painfully clear to me very early on. But not only that, number two, sports, even if you are removed from the from the playing field, right, from the wherever you are comfort comfortable. Sports finds a way to to 
to kind of expose our society at large. It always does, it always has, and it always will. So, you know, you may now be saying, Armand, you've been talking for almost three minutes, man. What the hell are you talking about? Chauncey Billups is hired, or reportedly at the time of this recording, is hired to be the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, for me, I was like, okay, cool, Chauncey, that's what's up. You know, he... I'm not going to ever complain about someone getting the quote-unquote fast track, right? Chauncey Billups was on TV, and now he's an assistant in one of the best jobs in the league. And then he's flipped that into a head coaching spot relatively fast. So you have someone like Ami Udoka. He's been an assistant under Greg Popovich in, in the Brooklyn for quite a while. He's been an assistant for a long time. You have someone like Sam Cassell who hasn't, at least at the time of this recording, has never been, you know, a head coach. And maybe he gets one now, but it's not looking, who knows, right? Becky Hammond as well, though she hasn't been an assistant as long as Sam or I mean. But you get the point, right? Chauncey, he's, he's fast-tracked. And that's not to take anything from him. I have no clue if he's going to be a good head coach or not. Look, I have no idea if any of these names, Chauncey, the only one I know who I feel confident will be a good head coach is Rick Carlisle because he was a very good head coach in Detroit. He was a very good head coach in Dallas. So, you know, he has two stops on his resume where he has been a phenomenal head coach. Outside of that, I don't know if Sam Cassell would be a good head coach or Wes Unsell Jr. or Chauncey Billups or Becky Hammond or I'm good. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to figure it out. Stan Van Gundy was coached the Eastern Conference champion and then lost also another time in the Eastern Conference championship in Miami and in Orlando. And since then, he hasn't been very good. It's hard to, to really know what a coach will be or won't be, particularly if they don't have the experience. But Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd as well, let's not forget about Jason Kidd, but Chauncey Billups specifically has kind of his, his hiring has brought in an entire new kind of topic of conversation, and that's not him being fast-tracked. It's his past. Unfortunately, his past is someone who allegedly, right, allegedly raped a woman or sexually assaulted a woman. Now, there's a whole bunch of places you can go to look and to see, to check background, whatever. I've seen things. I've read things. It's very, very uncomfortable. As someone who's, you know, a fan of, who was a fan of Chauncey, right? I had no idea that this was even in his background. I had no clue. In 1997, I was 14 years old. You understand? So, yeah, I'm not paying attention to that. And it's also important to note that in 1997, the media wasn't paying attention to sexual assault charges the way we are now. And that's, the, and that's something that we as medias of the member, me, members of the media have to, to wear. That's a negative. That's a knock on us. And though I wasn't a member of the media, obviously, at that time, this is the profession in which I am in. That was a problem. That's a problem how cavalier we were when it came to these type of issues back then. And not even just back then. God bless the dead with Kobe. Some of y'all still don't want to talk about that. 
And that's fine. We don't have to. Respect the dead. But I have found this entire Chauncey Billups hiring process and reaction so interesting. Unfortunate, very much so, but still interesting. How people cover it, how consistent people are, and the nasty underbelly when it comes to, let's be face it, let's face it, men. We are so quick to, 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 to try to wrap our arms around someone that we have no clue. We have no idea the type of person Chauncey Billups is. We like to hope that he's a good person. I hope Chauncey Billups is a good person, of course. I hope everybody who I see on television is a good person. But I don't know Chauncey from anything. I had, I, when I tell you before Friday night, I had no idea Chauncey Billups had this in his background. I genuinely mean, I had no earthly clue that this was something that was a part of Chauncey Billups' story. No clue. And yet the first thing I hear from people who have never met Chauncey Billups, people who, unfortunately, like, I am fond, I, like, I'm, I'm, I know. I've had conversations, I've seen people, and, and before I get into this, this is where, as men, we got to check each other, bro. We really have to do a better job of checking one another. It can't just be women who stand up to this. We're in Pride Month. It can't just be the LGBTQ plus community who stands up against homophobia, transphobia, right? It can't just be black people who stand up against racism. We've got to be better. Y'all Bamas don't know Chauncey Billups and Jason Kerr from the next man down the street. And y'all are so willing to go on a public site like Twitter and defend these people. I had to talk to somebody that I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with. I, I ain't gonna say like that's my man. He ain't my man, but like we cool. And he was on Twitter tweeting up a storm. I, I had to, you know, hit him up, like text him. And via phone call, like, dog, you gotta chill out. You gotta chill out with this stuff. Not to be overly aggressive, not to be hostile with him, but to be like, yo, like you fucking up right now. You making a mistake. This is this is not the move. And his first thing is, man, I'm so sick of cancel culture. <sighs> Y'all have heard my stance on cancel culture. Not gonna take too long to relitigate in a topic that I've discussed ad nauseum. No one gets canceled. No one gets canceled. Being held accountable for your actions does not mean that you didn't get canceled. We have to be better. Chauncey Billups, even if he does not take the Portland Trailblazers head coaching job, he is an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers. He not in the D League or the G League. He not overseas. He not in the big three. Phil Jackson was coaching in Puerto Rico. Chauncey Phillips, dog, he was a lead analyst on ESPN. He was so good at his job as a lead analyst, mind you, wasn't canceled. The Cleveland Cavaliers offered him a position to be the president of basketball operations like two off-seasons, three off-seasons ago. With no experience. 
he was offered one of 30 jobs. We got to understand, man, these positions in the NBA, they're not, they not coming around. They just know everybody. Jay Stackhouse has been busting his ass. Jay Stackhouse has been busting his ass to get an opportunity to be a coach. Patrick Ewan was an assistant for God knows how long. Had to go to college. Had to go to college. These jobs don't come around regularly. They don't. So when y'all Bama's like, oh man, I can't stand cancel culture. Chauncey Phillips ain't canceled. He got a job with the Clippers. He just was hired to be one of, again, uh, only 30 jobs. So excuse me if we should hold one of 30 jobs in the entire world. You only have 30 head coaches in the NBA. Excuse me if we want to, to have a standard when it comes to people that you hire. Like, I'm sorry, bro. Because when y'all do that, y'all make it seem like, hey, man, being alleged to rape someone or being alleged to sexually assault someone, like that happens every day. Nah, it doesn't. And y'all got to check the way you talk. Because so many times people are like, hey, man, this always happens. A black man gets a job in the NBA. A black man gets a prominent job. And then just like that, somebody brings up his past. I'm so sorry when I say this. No, I'm not sorry. As a black man who has never been accused of raping, never been accused of sexual assault, never been accused of domestic violence, never been accused because it hasn't happened. We got to hold ourselves to a higher standard, man. Don't tell me that you can't find 30 black head coaches, right, who have not had alleged sexual violence accusations against them. Like, that, it's not that hard. Stop thinking that it is. Because y'all make me think, like, start questioning y'all. If you out here saying, man, as soon as the black man gets his job, man, as soon as the black man gets the opportunity, they try to bring his name in the mud. If you talking like that, you make me think that you don't think there's enough good men out there, good black men, without these questionable, questionable past experiences, this checkered, this checkered past. And I'm here to tell you, nah, there's a whole lot of us where you could hire us and not think about a sexual assault charge. I gotta wake up. This energy that you keep putting forward, you think you're fighting, but you're really just making us look like I question you. I don't know what happened with Chauncey Billups. I have no idea what happened to him in 1997. I know from the files in which I have read, the very credible things and reports that I have read, he lied to his own lawyer about an alibi. Now, does that mean that then he definitely raped a woman? Or sexually assaulted a woman? That does not mean that he did. Of course not. But it don't look good, right? I think that's fair. You're lying to your own lawyer about an alibi? That, ain't, that doesn't generate confidence, right? Antoine Walker was his teammate back then. And Antoine Walker sued him for this incident. A suit that was settled. Now, does that mean that Chauncey Billups definitely 
raped or sexually assaulted a woman because his teammate sued him over this incident? No, it does not. But it ain't it ain't all make you feel good, does it? And look, I am 100%, 100% in favor of second chances. We all have made mistakes. Maybe not to that degree. I hope not to that degree. But we all make mistakes. And we all deserve chances at redemption, 100%. But the thing about redemption and the thing about that excuse that, that bothers me is that if you make a mistake, at some point, you have to admit to said mistake. At some point, you have to try to make that wrong right. And no one could ever go back in time and make if these alleged accusations are true. No one can make that right. But you can try. Right? You have to apologize. You have to be remorseful. You have to repent. You have to, you have to go through some process of asking for redemption. Like, this idea of second chance, everybody does it. We love redemption. Yeah, but you got to ask for it. So if one of the excuses that so many people pour into when it comes to Chauncey Billups is, oh, man, he was never arrested. He was never even, uh, criminal charges were never even pressed against him. Or there was a settlement. Uh, nothing happened. Uh, nothing's on his record. Uh. But don't talk to me then about redemption or second chances because if you're using that as an excuse, is that as a shield, that's not a story about redemption. It's not a story about second chances. You're using this as the idea that he did nothing wrong. I use Michael Vick often. And again, I'm not one of these people who feel like cr cruelty to animals, though awful, is on the same level, on the same plane as cruelty to humans. I'm not one of these people who feel that killing dogs is as is equal of a horror as a rape right killing dogs is awful you have to be i don't want to say that. raping women is one like raping women hurting children these are the worst things a person can do killing dogs is bad it's not nearly as vile as raping someone, sexually assaulting someone. We're talking about the worst things a person can do. That's me. Some of y'all may, look, and I love dogs. I don't want y'all to think like I hate dogs, <laughs> right? I love dogs. What Michael Vick did was awful, but like, come on. But I use Michael Vick as an example because, yeah, Michael Vick initially lied. Michael Vick tried to save himself, but then he was caught. And he apologized. And maybe you don't feel that he was sorry initially, right? Maybe he was sorry because he realized what was coming down the pike. Maybe he was trying, you know, self-preservation, trying to save himself. So he, he asked for redemption. He, he apologized. He then went to federal prison. And then he could have been cool. Came out, got his job back. Could have been cool. He's still to this day is advocating right an advocate for dogs and and trying to and trying to educate a, a portion of this community a portion of the community that people don't like to think about who had no idea that dog fighting was illegal who had no idea that pit bull like who just don't think 
about dogs that way. And let me be specific. Who don't think about pit bulls that way. And look, getting a second chance doesn't mean that everyone's going to forgive you. That's part of the plan. You can make a mistake and you can be, you know, remorseful. You can do all these things to try to make something right. That doesn't then mean that everyone has to or will want to grant you a second chance or want to forgive you. That's just, that's the rule. That's just the way it is. People were mad at Michael Vick for being an honorary captain at a Pro Bowl. At a Pro Bowl. And that's what he has to live with. Ray Rice. We've all seen it. And there's a legit question. Like, would these people be remorseful had they not been caught? Would these people put in the work, the tireless work to try to change and not only just change themselves, but then change the world? You don't have to forgive Ray Rice. You don't have to forgive Michael Vick. But Ray Rice has put in work and he will never be forgiven. And I don't think he's asking for the world to forgive him. But that's kind of redemption. Like when you put in the work, when you have apologized and not just feel sorry, ask for forgiveness, but then have backed your sorrow and have backed your mishap and have backed your poor decision making with trying to better. We always say, man, leave the world in a better place than what you found it. Ray Rice and Michael Vick fucked up. There ain't no excusing what they did. They fucked up big time. And though they can never make it right, they are trying to make it so that people don't follow in their steps. Can't be, you can't have a redemption story if you don't want to ever ask for redemption, if you don't ever apologize, if you don't ever suffer consequence. Paying someone off. And I don't want to get in anybody's pockets. I'm sure what Chauncey paid off was more money than I've touched, right? But you gotta, you can't then just hide behind that. And here's the thing that's interesting, right? Because I don't know what, maybe we've always been this way. And we probably have. And I think I'm talking about culturally, societally, right? We probably always have been this way. But for me, man, since like the last 15, 20 years or so, the performative actions that we do it's so thick, it's so nauseating, man, that I I almost don't know how long I how much longer I can take it. You know, we will put Black Lives Matter on the streets in our nation's capital. Go check about the inequalities in, when it comes to arrests or ticketing when it comes to MPD. Go check it out. All this stuff is readily available. We have people on one side of the aisle politically who will swear up and down, blue lives matter, back to blue, fly the blue line flag in front of their homes or in their pickup trucks. And then those same people will then like, ah, oh, man, we don't need to investigate the insurrection of January 6th where police officers were killed, murdered. Support our troops, support our troops. Tucker Carlson is calling general a general stupid and a pig on national television it's easy to perform it's easy to have this outrage or pretend like you stand for something 
all of these people in the media. And let me make this perfectly clear. I am not trying to trivialize rape. I am not trying to trivialize sexual assault or domestic violence. I am not. Please understand that's not where I'm at. But these issues are real. So when you have all of these people on television, all of these personalities on social media, who when there is an incident that arises from someone who they don't know personally or someone who they do not like, they are so quick to bring hellfire and brimstone, right? As they should. As they should. But don't get church quiet, church mouse quiet when these things start happening to someone that you're fond of. That's when shit gets nasty. That's when you and you let your personality and your platform start to work negatively on an issue that is bigger than all of us. An issue that is a problem in our society, not just in our country, in our in our being as humans. Rape is fucking awful. Awful. You don't need to know someone. You don't need to be a father of a girl. You don't need to have a sister to be a husband to, to identify with that one truth. Rape, sexual assault, domestic violence is awful. Cancerous. If you take that position for Ben Roethlisberger or Greg Hardy or Floyd Mayweather or Kobe Bryant, don't be quiet when it happens to someone who you used to be a co-worker with or someone who you are fond of. I don't want to name names. I really don't. You can check them out. You can look. But look how have people have... Out there's one person. I'm not again. I'm not going to name any names. But this is one person who who went after Floyd years ago, about five six years ago, like really really hard, as they should have during the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. So it's more than six years, like a decade ago now, I guess, right? They were 100 right. Look, I'm not defending Floyd at all. Please, you Floyd sycophants, don't think this is me supporting Floyd. But this person made it a mission to go after Floyd. To get Floyd, to make every make sure everyone knows how dirt bad he is. The day after Chauncey Billups is reported to be named the new Blazers head coach, this person, a person whose work I have enjoyed in the past, is tweeting out them hugging Chauncey Billups when they were working together on television. Hello? <laughs> I've seen people who have got who have had rants on television that have gone viral and again done the right thing as it pertains to Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy is a slime ball. And then write pieces on Kobe. God bless the dead. But we the, we got to be consistent because the moment, the moment we start throwing caveats when it comes to rape or sexual assault or domestic violence, you are using your platform and you think you're doing good in one instance. But then when you show 
either indifference or almost complete ignoring the topic altogether. Think about that platform that you have then because you then are causing harm to the larger point, to the larger fight. This whole thing is nasty. And part of me hopes that Portland just backs out of this hire. It's not too late. And again, this I'm recording this before the press conference. I don't know what Portland's going to do. It's been reported by Woes, Shams, everybody else that Chauncey Billups is going to get the hire. But at the time of this recording, it's not too late. We've got Dame Lillard, the face of the franchise, taking heat for this hire. And when he says he was seven years old when this stuff was happening, he didn't know. I believe him. Dog, I've worked in media for the last 18, 17 years of my life, almost 20 years of my life. I have been in media, particularly sports media. And I did not know about Chauncey Billups' case before Friday. Friday. So, yeah. I can shoot Damian Lillard a little bit of bail. And that the Blazers have basically let the face of their franchise out by himself to defend the hire that he didn't make? That's crazy. It's not too late. It's not too late. We all kind of have to look at ourselves at this point. And I know, man, I'm almost at 30 minutes here. I know a lot of you guys come to the show for jokes and and satire and, you know, and uh, trade talk and business, you know, all this other stuff. And I appreciate you guys for doing that. But, yo, sometimes we got to eat the veggies, too. Because this stuff is important. We can't just sit by and blame cancel culture. When no one's been canceled. We can't come and sit by and defend, oh, man, everybody's trying to get the black man. As if that's not painting an entire demographic of men. To be like, like, like not assaulting people is too hard. And I will never stand for that. I will never stand for people acting as if Chauncey Billups did something that the average black man couldn't. No. We have to start thinking higher of ourselves while also holding our friends, our uncles, our brothers, our pops accountable. Don't let your homeboy try to smooth over what happened or may have allegedly happened with Chauncey. And if you want to know what may have happened, read it. Read the reports. They out there. Don't just blindly follow somebody who you ain't never even met in your life because he can shoot a basketball. Because he black. There are a lot of sucker motherfuckers out here who black. Who I hope y'all ain't following they had a lot of them. Don't just follow Obama just because. And don't just defend a brother who's being accused of something vile without knowing the information. And let's flip it. Because as someone, and again, I'm not a reporter, I'm not a journalist, I'm a, I'm a broadcaster, but I've been fortunate enough to work with enough reporters, enough journalists, that I that I've picked up a few of the tricks of the trade. Let's hold. I'm always going to hold members of the media accountable because that's what we need to do. 
I can't sit here and say, hey, hold black men accountable, but I'm not holding the members of my profession accountable. If you were able to call out Ben Roethlisberger, then you need to be able to call out Chauncey Billups. I don't care if that's your man. If you was able to call out Floyd Mayweather, you need to be able to call out Jason Kidd. I don't care if you're cool with Mark Cuban. You see how lame this is? It's nasty all the way around. But it will never change unless we all start putting in the work. Not painting Black Lives Matter on the street. No, 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 no. You get no cookies for the performative art act actions. You get the cookies for the work. And everybody's not going to appreciate it. Everybody's not going to grant you a second chance. See Michael Vick. See uh, Ray Rice. See the countless number of other people who have done awful things, but did not let that define them. Shaka Senghor is another person, a man who went to prison for second degree murder, but has come out and has changed his life. Everybody ain't going to forgive you. Everybody's not going to want to see you succeed, but you can't have a redemption story without actually first asking for redemption. But I know, I know, everybody who gets accused didn't do it. I know, I know. They just try to tear the black, every time the black, I know, I know. We can be better than this. We should be better than this. Myself too. We should push ourselves to be better. Not because we're taking a knee. Not because we spray paint Black Lives Matter. Not because you wear a, a rainbow button in June. Not because you have pink gloves in the fall in the NFL. We all should push ourselves to be better. Not for performative art. Not for performative actions. But for real game-changing actions. I want to know what you guys have to think. I don't want this to dive, devolve into, do you believe Chauncey? I don't want that. Right? But if the NBA swears that this progressive league, if the NBA swears that this is what they stand for and they really do care, well, then how do you explain Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups in a matter of hours? That's my question to you. Email me, quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterlyshow. It's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E show. So we'll see. Obviously, the Blazers and Neil Olsey went ahead with the Chauncey Billups hire. There's no real way to know how any of these hirings work. Um, and again, I'm not saying that no one should ever get a second chance. I don't know what happened, though, again, the specifics of Chauncey's case in 97, uh, they, don't, they don't give me confidence, right? And maybe he has been remorseful. Maybe he has 
uh, repent. Maybe who knows, right? But it doesn't seem like he did it publicly. And the the, the frustrating thing, one of the frustrating things, is that when asked during the introductory press conference, Sansi at least it seemed as if he was ready to answer. Because the, the people deserve to know, right? To, to be an NBA head coach is a privilege. And when this is on anywhere close to you, this stench is anywhere remotely close to you, people deserve, I feel, I feel, that people have a right. Maybe not a right, but people deserve to have answers. And that Portland didn't feel confident or comfortable enough to allow their new hire that opportunity to answer these tough questions, but fair questions on his own, the arrogance is nauseating, right? The phoniness is disgusting. There is an air of just fraudulent behavior all over the place. These people will do what they want to do, or they will do what they think will give them praise publicly without ever having to change or address the problems that are a little bit uncomfortable, right? I have no idea how this plays out in Portland. It's nasty all around, but you know, we have now been conditioned to only have two, maybe three news cycles in our memories. Like we're conditioned to forget about things rather quickly as soon as the next big story happens. Remember Ted Cruz? Remember Ted Cruz going to Mexico? That was a huge story for four days. And then it's gone. Andrew Cuomo? Mayor Cuomo? Sexual harassment, remember that? And everybody's asking for him to step down. He just had to ride the, the news stream, right? We have been conditioned. Binging. Hell, me, putting a podcast out every week, right? We are conditioned as a society now to have but so long of a memory. Mar fucking Albert is celebrated. Chauncey Billups' sexual assault allegation happened in 1997. You want to know what else happened in 1997? Marv Albert? <laughs> and literally days, days after all of the outrage, after all of the articles, after all of the, the words and the frustration and the anger and all of that, days after Chauncey Billups' press conference, the entire almost NBA world is talking about how much Marv Albert meant to them. Multiple women have accused him of sexual assault. <laughs> if you needed to know how fake all of this is, there you have it. It's nasty though, man, to use to use things as important as mental health, as important as domestic violence, as important of advocating advocating for survivors of sexual assault. They are using these very real, very important topics as vehicles to get likes. I don't think I'm, I'm over-exaggerating here. This is literally how I view these past few days, weeks, months. And every every day or every week, I try to come out here and, and make it make sense. 
as best I can. But I would like to hear from you guys, man, because maybe you are as turned off as I am. Maybe. Either way, feel free to email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, so it's been a pretty heavy show, right? Pretty heavy show. A lot of, lot no, no skits, no halftime, no 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 wanks. You know what I'm saying? Just no nothing, nothing, nothing to add levity. So let's talk about predictions in the NBA final. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth quarter. You know, I had to ask this question on social media this past week. How many people actually care? about predictions like, seriously do you honestly care how much value do you place on predictions because if i'm being honest i don't ever care and i don't know anyone who cares like i have a a, a group chat a group chat of friends right and we before each season we give our opinions on like the conferences which teams will make the playoffs, which teams will make the finals and which teams will win. And we'll do like the individual rankings, like, or individual awards, excuse me, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Sixth Man, Rookie, et cetera, et cetera. But I do that with my friends because we're NBA nerds. And I think this year, before this season started, I think I did the kind of NBA teams as wire counterparts right in terms of predictions but i felt i needed to add the wire as some type of production value you know what i'm saying but even then it felt a bit nasty i'm not gonna lie because i know and y'all gonna have to hold me accountable for this check me please because i don't like reading people's just baseline predictions now if you want to break down the series preview the series and say hey these are the matchups that i'm looking forward to this is why i think this this potential player or strategy if you will um potentially could be the key to finding a champion yeah that's cool that's analysis but the people who are saying sons and six (laughs) sons and six lakers and five that what good is that? Seriously, I have, because it's all a guess. I can sit here and pretend like I know what's going to happen in the Bucks versus the Suns. But hey, my expert analysis goes as far as it goes like this. If Giannis isn't as close to being great as he typically is, the Bucks don't stand a chance. Strong analysis. If one of the best players in the league can't play up to his capabilities, then his team has a significant chance of losing. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, the funniest thing is when Batman's are like, give me the prediction. What do you think happens around? I remember this is back in, uh, I guess this is back in the Floyd Pacquiao days and all the talking heads, y'all know who they are. They were actually previewing round by round who they think would win and what they think would happen in the round. <laughs> Before it actually happened. If you've ever watched a fight before, you know how incredibly ridiculous that is. I have no clue, but just talking. And again, 
Talking shit with your partners, that's one thing. Oh, man, shit. I think Charlo going to drop him in the eight. That's one. Getting it in front of a platform and, and, and just guessing, because that's all it is. There's no expertise. Doesn't care how, what school you graduated to. Don't care how many years you were in the league. Don't care how many championships you've had. Don't care how many times you've talked to great championship coaches or scouts or whatever the case may be. I don't care what spreadsheet you use to come up with your stats. There is nothing that goes into predicting a seven-game series outside of guess. It's just guesswork. That's it. And as I sit here uh, hours before the start of game one of the NBA Finals and you know, so much is going on as it pertains to the media at large, uh, I just sit here and think, man, <laughs> I say I want intelligent NBA discussion, and yet I myself have made the same mistake in giving out predictions. And again, I tried to put some production value to it, but like, man, there's no way you can dress up some shit. Put mustard on some shit, it's still shit. Honestly, what do any of us, I'm asking you, right? And again, you're listening to the show, maybe you're in the car, maybe at the gym, on the track, cooking, doing whatever, just chilling maybe. Ask yourself this, what do you gain from hearing other people's predictions. Like, maybe you bet, but I hope you don't bet based upon the talking heads' predictions. Hopefully, if you are a better and you take that stuff seriously and you're betting like some, some real cash on it, you know, hopefully you're keeping a track record. Like, the basketball is completely different than football, right? So you can figure out how many you know, what some quarterback's win-loss is against the spread and all this other stuff. You know, whatever. I'm not big into sports gambling. I'm not into sports gambling at all, actually. But I understand it's uh, intrigue, if you will. I'll never understand Mama's betting on basketball. That shit is literally Russian roulette. What the f- if, if you can't come up with another more creative way, interesting, entertaining way to make money, if you need gambling to make you enjoy the NBA product, I and mean, that shit just ain't for you, brother. And that's okay. But just because Colin Coward says this is who he thinks is going to win, you, you place a bet because of that? Really? I'm not going to do a prediction tonight. I'm not going to do it for you. I hope we have a great series. I think having this infusion of new and interesting teams is a very, very good thing for the league if done properly, though this week has taken all the interest away from the finals and placed it upon reporters and hosts, which can't be good for the league. I'm sure the ghost of David Stern is incredibly pissed off right now. And I think, I, I hope that Giannis can win a championship because I've heard the dumb shit for Giannis, just like I heard the dumb shit when it came to LeBron, just like we're all about to hear the dumb shit when it comes to Luka. Giannis isn't even 27 yet, I don't believe, and he's already a two-time MVP, a former Defensive Player of the Year, and is four wins away from being an NBA champion. I hope he can get that championship here and just shut everybody else up. Just shut up. <laughs> 
you know, people have talked about Coach Bud for all these years, despite the fact that he's taken Milwaukee and Atlanta to three combined conference championships and one NBA Finals. In an era of super teams, I've heard you guys talk shit about Chris Middleton. I've heard you, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. So I hope Milwaukee wins. But guess what? Here's my 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 take. Here's my analysis. They won't win if Giannis isn't playing well. <laughs> if Giannis is only a shell of himself, they'll lose. Phoenix has been one of the best teams all the year. And guess what? I'd love if Chris Paul were to win. Monty Williams is, is a PG County boy. He's been through Lord knows. We all know his story. It's hard not to root for them. Some people may find it hard to root for Chris Paul because he has a history of punching men in the privates. But I'm still, despite all that, I'm still a Chris Paul fan. I'm sorry if that's not the, the analysis that you are looking for. I just sit here and hope that we have a fabulous, phenomenal, and more important, fun finals. That's what I want. No more injuries. No more hot takes. No more Coach Bud should be fired. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And definitely no sons in six. You're not, if you're coming here to the quarterly report for that, I hope you stay. But you won't get any more. That stuff will never happen again on this show, I promise. All right, y'all, man. Hopefully you all enjoy game one of the NBA Finals. Hopefully you all enjoyed this episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. If you did, I have just a few small requests. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and leave me a five-star rating. But more important, more important than the rating, the star ratings, leave a review. That stuff is incredibly important when it comes to podcasts. So tell me, tell your friends, tell the world, why you enjoy the Quarterly Report Podcast, why we are so different than every other show, every other podcast that exists. Hopefully you guys enjoy what we try to do here on the show and hopefully you enjoyed this show in particular. And head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, download and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends to describe, subscribe as well. And we will see you guys back here next week. Stay safe. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your friends. If you're in the southern part of the country, be safe. Elsa seems like she ain't playing. So in Florida and other southern, southeastern states, be careful. And I will see you guys back here next week for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast.